0: Classes in session. How you doing, everybody? And welcome to Unlearn 16 classes in session. Am I wearing my own merch? Yes, I absolutely am. This is my activist teacher 505 shirt. I'm going to explain it, and my merch is going to lead into the conversation that we're going to have today. Um, first of all, being a teacher is one of the best jobs on the planet, <clears throat> hands down. Can I complain about my job? Absolutely. I can. Can I talk about how it's great and how it's powerful and all of those things? Absolutely. But this sweatshirt that I'm wearing right now, and you can go check it out on unlearn16.ca. I'm sorry. That was a horrible, horrible plug, but nonetheless, check it out. The reason why I'm wearing this is because sometimes on TikTok, I get a couple of one twos. I take some shots about being a teacher. And a lot of people, a lot of teachers that follow me, who follow me, have been experiencing a lot of burnout, a lot of teacher burnout lately. And it's in Canada, it's in the United States, and I'm assuming it's throughout the world. So, and they've asked me to do an episode on how I handle it, how, if I'm going through it, if I've ever gone through it, how I handle it. And I think it's incredible important for us to talk about, both for teachers, for students, because if teachers are going through it, so are the kids, and for administrators. Now, I can't speak to an administrative side because I don't do a lot of that, but I would expect it would be very similar there too. So I'm wearing the sweatshirt that says activist teacher 505. I'm going to tell you a little story and then I'll get into everything. So I did quite a few TikToks and you guys probably are, are listening to me now because you've seen me on TikTok and you like my melodic droning voice. It helps you fall asleep at night. Um, and one person sort of came at me for being an activist teacher as though it was a negative. I responded with, of course, I'm an activist teacher. <laughs> that there, There's no other reason to be a teacher if you weren't an activist. In fact, I would argue that if you're not an activist, you shouldn't be a teacher. That activist teachers should go hand in hand. Now, they were directing it to me because I was talking about giving kids space to decide upon their own gender identity and have freedom for that. They were giving this sort of in a negative connotation because I was saying we shouldn't ban books and we should allow kids to read them and come to their own conclusions. They were giving this to me because... I stand for having a lot of different theoretical and critical theories in my classroom every single day so that the kids and and I can make informed, educated decisions. And some people don't like that. Some people love to respond with things like, oh, come on, just teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic. (laughs) And every time I think about that, I think, what a waste of education. And that's not education at all, actually. that that's, that's some simple basic skill sets to get you by in this world, but it's not doing what education should do. And I've always said that education isn't supposed to be an answer to the question. It's supposed to spark the idea that you consistently keep asking more questions and another and another and another. Big part of my unlearn sort of Mantra. I don't even know if I'd use that word, but whatever. Here, we'll go with it. Is this notion that we learn things all the time, and some of them are put there without our consent and without our knowledge? They're they're subliminal, they're subconscious when we're young, and some of them are put there by teachers, teachers that are wrong, teachers that are ill informed, um, and and it's our job every single day. To pick apart that learning and pick apart what's been shoved into our heads and and try to see what do I have to unlearn? What do I have to adjust? What do I have to grow onto? Because again, one of my favorite ideas, again, stemming from Socrates, I mean, the guy was pretty smart, although he didn't write anything down, was the notion that the more that you learn, the more that you know you know nothing at all. I probably messed that quote up a little bit, but you get my point. The notion that the martyr we think we get, or the more things we know. And if you do get wise, you understand that there's still, you've, you've seen the peak of the mountain, but there's still a world you don't know. And that's kind of how I live. That's kind of how I teach. And all of that, guys, can get overwhelming. Because we're not just responsible. Teachers aren't just responsible for reading, writing, and arithmetic. Because heaven help us, if we were, there'd be no burnout. It would be an easy job. It would be assembly line simplistic. But that's not our job. So maybe we should address first what the job of a teacher is. Now, whether it should be the job of the teacher, I don't know. I would like tons more funding to allow for You know, a million and one professionals to be in there with the kids, but I'll tell you what falls onto my shoulders, and then I'll tell you about when I felt burnout and the way that I've dealt with it. So first and foremost, I think, sure, my job is to teach material. I have a curriculum, I have a set of principles that I need to go through. I have a textbook, I have tests, I have assignments. Great. That's all that's all the basics. That's the easy stuff. That's the mundane. That's not the stuff that draws my energy in any way, shape, or form because it's rote. At this point, I've memorized textbook after textbook after textbook. I can tell you dates coming out the wazoo. It doesn't matter. The dates don't matter, really. So all of that being true, my secondary and, and probably most important function is teaching kids to think critical critically. And I teach high school. So they've already gone through elementary school that might not have taught that, depending on where that they've they've come from, or it might have been taught out of them, which is more likely so. The notion that all that critical thinking, all those really cool questions when you're in grade three and you're like, you know, why is the sun yellow? Or or how does a battery work? Or can you explain the telephone? All those questions that I can't answer. And these deep-seated questions that kids have drives their creative energy, right? It drives it, it drives it and drives it. And what education has tended to do, and it's getting better, don't get me wrong, but it's tended to try to constrain that. You know, it's try to limit that. It's try to sit, you know, little so-and-so down so that they can sit there for a certain amount of time and take in information and learn that rote. But all that creativity, all that just base, I want to know sometimes get schooled right out of the kids. And then I get them in grade seven and I demand it back. And so a lot of the times they look at me like, what the hell are you asking me for? You know, I constantly are asking them, what do you think? And guys, they look at me as though I've asked them to solve, you know, the Middle East crisis and they don't, can't even point to the Middle East yet. Um, and they're just so confused. And then I can see them wanting to give an answer. It's on the tip of their tongue and then their head starts working and it starts second guessing and going, what if I'm wrong? What if this isn't right? What if I'm way off? What if the other kids laugh at me? What if Joanna gets mad at me? What if I say something? And then they stop. then they shut down. So my secondary function is to break through that wall to tell them they are brilliant to tell them they are creative, to tell them they have so much to offer and to try to break that down, that's been shut there. And sometimes has been put there for, you know, by a bunch of people in a bunch of different scenarios. And so I need to break that down for them or try anyways. So I rely, especially with the little ones, we've created different courses at Metro while well, I've created different courses that are all about talking. That are all about analyzing, that are all about opinion making and researching and reading and and listening and arguing. And I take the vocabulary tests and the and the heavy mark fixation right out of the equation. And I tell them I'm doing it. I say, guys, listen, I'm I want you to work hard. I want you to give me your opinion. I want them to be your own words. That's what I'm grading. And they look at me like, no, you're lying. You're lying. You're 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 going to test me on the vocabulary words in a list and then ask me about a date. And I'm like, guys, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. We will have to do that cuz you have to get good at that. But first, before that, I need you to believe that you are brilliant, that you have amazing ideas. And guys, for parents at home, for teachers, for anybody, they are brilliant. We treat grade seven and eights like like morons, for lack of a better word, right? A lot of homes, they have no responsibility. Guys, 13 and 14-year-olds could have worked a whole farm back in the day. You think they're not smart enough today? They are. We just treat them as though they can't. I treat my grade seven and eights the same way I treat my grade 12s, with high expectation, a high level of responsibility. And I'm constantly trying to tell them how they are a great person, but they have to take responsibility for that greatness. So when I hear things like, my mom didn't print, no, nope. back that sentence up. And they'll look at me like, what do you mean back the sentence up? I go, you're not five. Your mom's job has nothing to do with my class. So try it again. Well, my assignment's not printed. Okay, why is your assignment not printed? Well, my mom said, nope back it up and they'll look at me again I'll be like not on your mom well my dad didn't get the it a- no oh back it up not on your dad this is on you and I take them through every single step in which they could have made an adult decision to rectify it including coming in early to Metro prep and and printing it there right all of those steps, So every single day I make them, I push them to be responsible. And as they get a bit older and I can see them get their chest puffed up a bit when they got it, when they got it, when they roll into class and the assignment's done, bam, cover pages there, boom, they're on time. They got their other stuff ready to go for history class and you can see them stand a little taller, shoulders back with a little more pride. And then I know I got them. And then I know I got them for the next things I'm going to ask them to do. And here come the next things. And the next things as a teacher, and here's where it gets really hard, is that we have to teach them that they don't know things, and that's okay. But their job is to get to know things, as many things as they can. So here comes in the heavy, heavy reading, research, analyzing, criticizing, tell me what you think. Tell me what you learned. Tell me what so-and-so said. What did this analysis say? Pull it all together, synthesize it, and then come up with your own framework. I had a, a master, well, he was a, a professor at York University. He sat me down. He goes, listen, you're a smart kid. He goes, but I'm going to tell you something that every professor's thinking and isn't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you because I think you can take it. I said, okay, hit me. The professor said, your opinion doesn't matter yet. And I was offended. What do you mean, my my opinion matter? You know who told me my opinion matters? My mom told me my opinion matters. And I I've been to the Montessori school who said I was brilliant and smart and capable and intelligent. Da, 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 I go off. And the guy laughs at me. He's like, Listen, you don't get to have an opinion yet. You get to have you get to be intelligent, creative, and all of those things, but you don't get to have an opinion yet. Here's why. Because you haven't read enough to know if it's original. Because you're drawing upon stuff that you don't even know you're drawing upon. You read something over here, something in a textbook, or you've read a synthesis of information, let's say on Wikipedia, but you don't know where the heck it came from. You don't know who did it. You don't know what context in which they drove it from, derived it from. I can't even speak. It's been a long day and it's only Monday. So you don't know yet. You need to know more. You need to read more. You need to immerse yourself more. You need to be able to list theories A through Z and be able to say what I didn't like about each, what I liked about each, synthesize it, create your own. You don't know enough yet. And in high school, I tell my kids that. I build them up, not so I can break them down. That sounds very militaristic, but so that I can say, you are intelligent, creative, capable, but now you got to absorb. Now your job is to learn everything you possibly can, not to get pie. You don't, you don't skip the, the, you know, book on Shakespeare and read the Coles notes for those listening. Coles notes used to be, maybe you guys might know spark notes, but at the end of the day, this generation just knows Wikipedia. But you don't need the cheat sheet. If you take the cheat sheet, you haven't done your job. Your job is to make the cheat sheet because you understand it. And if you're not going to take the time to understand it, you're not getting an education. Because you're going to go off to university and you're going to have two roads. The easy road and the smart one. And the easy road might get you an 80. But the intelligent road is going to build you as a person. As a theorist, as an academic, and it's gonna build you into something you can take on anything in this world. So, as a teacher, these are my jobs, guys. This is what I think about every single day. Oh, by the way, that's 50% of my day. You wanna know what the other 50% is? I feel like I should give you time to respond, and I know you can actually respond to me in this format. The other 50% of my job? is handling teenagers' mental health. The everyday, the mundane, to the truly horrific things that kids go through. Am I qualified to do that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Am I qualified to listen to kids talk about addiction in their home or in themselves? Am I qualified to hear them talk about abuse, neglect? Am I qualified to hear them talk about, you know, sexual abuse or rape? No, I'm not. And in a lot of those instances, I obviously end up connecting with other resources. It's not just me. But pay no mistake, teachers are the front line of that. I sometimes think that teachers should go through the four years, and instead of a teacher's college, which, by the way, is a guttural waste of time, I should have taken a two-year child psychology program. Uh, Absolutely. 100%. Two years fixated on teen and adolescent psychology, depending on what age bracket you're going to teach. Because that's a huge, huge, huge chunk of my job. Now, you get better at it because you learn right? You learn how to talk to parents. You learn how to talk to kids. You learn how to mitigate and, and deal with harassment at your school and, ish, and, and bullying and all of those. I hate using bullying because it just minimizes it. But you have to learn all of that. And then you have to go back to teaching about the French Revolution. In my opinion, and I, and I haven't even mentioned dealing with parents and politicians who think they can do your job better. Now, if you pile all this on a person, and and most teachers take it with such responsibility and such a heavy heart, of course, you are going to get burned out. And COVID has been unreal. Just unreal on so many different levels. But I'm not just speaking about COVID. I'm speaking about in general. I'll tell you about a time I got was getting there. So our school was going through some transformations. Some teacher had left and left, another school was being started. It was hor- going to work was awful. And I just thought at that moment, I'm just going to pull back. Now a lot of teachers here know that we get a lot back from our students, but we get a lot back when we put more in. For example, the play I'm about to be in, my God, guys, like I never would have thought in a million years I would have been in a, a major play, nor had the second most lines in the play. But when you put that time and that effort into your school and your students and your faculty, it it, it comes back, right? It's an energy. You give it and you get it. The same goes when you coach, when you have clubs, when you do anything external to the classroom that is able to fill that energy, right? Because the classroom, it's really you, but everything else about the school has a flow to it. When I coach, you get to know the kids differently. When I'm in the play, they get to see me struggle and oh my God, do I struggle, but they get to see me struggle and then have to work through it with them. It's so much power, but it gives you such an energy boost. And during COVID, we couldn't have any of it. We barely have it now, right? All those extra things were canceled. By the way, all those extra things that teachers do without getting paid for it. That's a side note. I'll have a whole other podcast about that. But that's how we get our energy. So during COVID, it was ripped away. It was ripped away, and then at the exact same time, you were hearing in the media months, months after people had said, teachers don't deserve summers off. Teachers don't deserve this pay. Teachers don't deserve benefits. Why are teachers striking? I'm We're cutting funding to education. It's ridiculous. They're so whiny. They're so this, they're so that to, to everybody saying, oh my God. Teachers are the fundamental linchpin. They're the the building block of all society. And during COVID, if they're not open, we're, we're no good. Kids are at home. Their mental health is awful because they're not in school. Guys, take that in. And nobody's really took this in. Taken this in? Took? Oh, God, some grammar issues already. Nobody's thought about that in a significant way or nobody's articulated it because we it's been such a high-stress situation. But everybody went from just teach and stop whining to, oh my God, you're the most important thing in the world. And we can't close schools because as soon as we close schools, our kids start to fall apart. Ask yourself why. A, start asking people what goes on in the home because that's problem number one, but B... And more, you know, more consistently, ask yourself, what else happens in school that my kid desperately needs? And and as soon as you acknowledge that, you have to acknowledge how much more money we should put into education. You have to acknowledge the weight that a teacher carries who's trying to deliver that kind of foundational energy, you know? And and some people realize it, and some people don't. So when I was going through that hard time, and it wasn't even during COVID, I pulled back. I'm like, I'm not coaching. Forget it. It's too hard. I'm not. I'm not doing extra things. I'm not going to staff events. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna do my contract, and then I'm gonna. I'm gonna go home. And and I I was depressed, and I was tired, and I was drained, and eight, I might not have really considered quitting at the time. But if something else would have presented itself, I might've, I might've. And then one day, um, one of my best friends said to me, you, you are only going to get in what you, you're only going to get out what you put in. And sometimes the hardest thing we ever do is put in when we have nothing left to put. And that's the time when we need to do it the most. Right. And then I started applying that to a lot of other things. It's the time where I can't do another lap. It's the time where I, you know, I can't dig another volleyball. I can't take another run down the, the try line. I can't write another essay. I can't sit in another parent. And at that moment, we all get to make a decision. We all get to make a decision if we, if we withdraw. Or if we cash in and go all in, that's a horrible analogy, but you get my point. And we have to make a choice. Now, sometimes you have to cash out. Like sometimes things are done and that's okay. You can move on to other careers because sometimes teaching is only for a particular kind of soul. And sometimes that shifts. However, If you're finding yourself at that crux, if you're finding yourself on that precipice, sometimes you also have to find something else that can inspire you to give more. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result, right? So if you're always a coach, okay, go do an art class with the kids. If you're always a, a director of a play, Okay, start a chess club. You know, if you loved watching movies with the kids, uh, and and we can't do it. Okay, uh, uh, start a start a food club. If if you're if the kids are down, bring in guest speakers. If the kids are looking for something new, find it. And bring it into your environment or go take the kids and say, today, we're going to go, we're going to go out into the city. We're going to go out into the community and find something. And I'm going to go you one step further. If you're feeling that way, admit it. Some teachers have a very thick veil between them and the class. I don't. I don't because I, I don't think kids buy it if you do and and then then they're not they're kind of mistrusting. I'm not saying put your whole life out there. I'm just saying don't have such a thick veil. But if I'm feeling up against it and I'm feeling tired and I'm feeling like I've run too hard. Put the pencils down in geography class, in physics, in French. Put the pencils down. Tell the kids to put their stuff away and sit down and talk to them. And I'm not saying talk to them like a therapist. I'm not saying talk to them like you have some sort of expertise. I'm not saying that at all. Talk to them like you're a person who's going through something hard, who's who's feeling hard to give right now. Maybe they're feeling the same way. Maybe a kid, one kid in your class is able to give you that different perspective, that different spark. Because I'll tell you right now, the number one reason I'm a teacher is because I learn every single day. Every single day, and so maybe by putting that on the table, you you light a flame to something you didn't even know needed lighting. you didn't even know it was there to be lit. And you can open up brand new doors, and that's what it's about. It's about tapping into new resources, finding new books, finding new pieces of art to be inspired by that's what it's about. So when you're at your breaking point, put the curriculum down. Look, I think the curriculum's important and I think kids need to learn, but I only, I, I don't think it needs to be this relative, you know, regimented militaristic structure. I really don't. I think sometimes you're in science class and you say, you know what? What do you guys think? You guys think aliens exist? Sometimes you're in history class, or physics, because it works in both classes, and you say, you know what? You guys ever heard of the JFK assassination? Or something huge is happening in the world. COVID. The war in Russia and the Ukraine. But between Russia, it's all in the Ukraine. Kids are scared about that. Kids want to talk about that because kids have Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, it's all over the place and most of it's garbage. Put it on the table. And if you don't know anything about it, admit it. Say, I don't know, guys. Let's look it up. Let's try to find some stuff together and figure it out together. Let's try to dive through all of the all of the murky waters of God knows what people are putting online nowadays. Right? Let's try to get through that together. And then, and then maybe, maybe somewhere in there we find a glimmer. We've also all but cut physical education out of our curriculum. I mean, I know you can get Take Gym every year, but let's be honest, kids only have to take grade nine gym in Ontario, then they never have to take another gym class again. You don't think they're starved for that? Even if they're not good at sports, it doesn't matter. It's physical activity. It gets blood pumped to your brain. I'm horrible at art. But every once in a while, I'll go get canvases and... I'll shut my, like, I'll go into my classroom, I'll shut the door, I'll tell the kids to put their stuff away, I'll give them a canvas, I'll put on some music, usually that I like and that they hate, which is amazing. Cher works really well in this particular situation, maybe a little Amanda Marshall. And I say, draw something, paint something. And they'll say, I don't know how to draw. And I'll say, neither do I. Neither do I. You want to paint with your hands? Cool. Cool. You want to try to draw something amazing. Do something that you're not good at. That's okay. Because I'll tell you what, if you like it, you can keep it. If you don't, we can go outside and throw stuff at it. and You can get some anger out that way and then we can chuck it out. It doesn't matter. It's not about the end result. It's about doing something outside of your comfort zone to make you feel good. I'm not a mute music person. Blast some music, put a little rent on, sing the first song in rent. It, it inspires people. It builds you. And as a teacher, we're no different. Now I have to address what's going on in the United States because it's a special kind of crazy. All these books are getting banned. All these laws are being passed about whether or not people can say gay in the classroom or talk to kids about gender identity or say anything that conflicts with their religious beliefs. All of it's utter garbage. Utter garbage. And the notion that teachers have to teach through this is truly horrific. But here's what I'm going to say to those teachers. You, you, you want to keep your job, I get it. But look to the kids. Because I promise you, they are smarter smarter and more aware, and more in tune with the world around them, than that top-down, sort of oppressive governmental structure that is trying to control and manipulate ever can be. You know ways around it. You know ways not to say those words. Okay, so find them, activist teacher. This is who we are. We don't stop being that because somebody says in Florida, I can't say gay anymore. You find outlets. You find connections. You push every envelope you can push in order to achieve any kind of sort of inspiration for your students that you can achieve. And I'm telling you, the kids will go with you. And then you get political. Because teaching is political. We have bills in places like Louisiana that is trying to say they want to make room for creationism as a legitimate scientific alternative to evolution. Stop it. You're a science teacher in Louisiana. Don't. And I know I'm saying this sitting up in the confines of Canada where I'm not going to lose my job like that. But recognize the power that educators have and the the intelligence that students have. They're so much better than us. And they know so much more. And for those teachers, look for resources outside of the school. Look for connections. Look for support. Look for any energy you can grab from wherever you can grab it. And I'd also say this, as a teacher, you have allies in your staff and your administration, but you also have allies with parents, maybe not all parents. But the quickest way to know a kid is to know their parent. And and to make connections with those parents, not to placate you know, what marks they want. Not not so they can control the curriculum. And no, no, no. Figure out a way to get at them. Because sometimes teaching the parent is just as hard or just as important as teaching their kid. But people want to learn. People want, and I know it's really hard to believe right now, guys, because of all the idiocy we are surrounded by People are in dire need and desperate desire for authentic, amazing people to lead. And in the absence of amazing people that that are, you know, that are intelligent, they will take idiots that seem authentic because they, they want that. So you have these pseudo leaders manipulating rather than leading with honesty and authenticity and intelligence because they know they're looking. Teachers are leaders, 100%. You guys are leaders of your classrooms. You are leaders of those parents. Figure out how to do it. And I'm not talking manipulation. I'm talking connection. There's a very big difference. Very big difference. Bigotry, um, you know, homophobia, racism, all of it. It's all ignorance. All of it's ignorance. So teach. And I know now I've been talking about teacher burnout and I'm putting all this more on your shoulder, but it's not going to feel heavy because you're going to feel empowered to do it. Because if you're a real teacher, you're going to feel inspired and pushed to do it. So do it. Don't waste your time cowering. Don't waste your time trying to manipulate. Hit it on, head forward, and lead and teach. And remember, everything you say to the kids, everything you say to your students, be it. You tell them to be creative. Be an individual. Stand up for themselves. So do it. You are an individual. You are creative. You are intelligent. Exist in it. Be empowered by it. Change the world with it. Not everybody can stay in teaching forever. I get it. I get it. I'm not talking to everybody, I'm talking to teachers. I'm talking to educators. I'm talking to an activist teacher thank you user 505 who tried to slam me with this with this name yet i've embraced it as exactly who i am you take it all in you empower yourself with it you you use it to change everything and when you're tired it's like that it's like that tiktok that says When you marry me, you marry me. If you get tired of me, that's all right. Have a nap. We'll try again tomorrow. You're married to teaching. Have a nap. We'll try again tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. I hope that made some sense. I hope it inspired your soul just a little bit. And if you're not a teacher, I hope you can draw something from it that still means something to you. I. I'm very honored that you guys spend your time with me, and I will see you next Tuesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Have a good day, guys. Dismissed.